Welcome to The Pestle. Reviewing and breaking down movies to look for insights into the movie-making process. Hosted by The Zombie Apocalypse. Can you imagine how dirty a zombie's underwear is? Uh, let's start the show. Welcome, everybody, to The Pestle. Today's show is brought to you by Shopwell's Grocery Store. Everything you need for the perfect holiday cookout is at Shopwell's Grocery. Welcome to The Pestle. I am Wes. And I am Todd. And this is a show where we like to go into depth about any given movie. Today we're going to be talking about Chef. And if you haven't seen it yet, beware. There are spoilers. Yep. Um, and in the process of spoiling everything, we're also going to talk about some of the interesting ways that the movie comes to life, I think. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about camera work. We'll talk about Chef as a metaphor. And I'm interested I, to see what you have to say about that. Yeah, it's, I believe it's actually a metaphor for itself, which is very I'm meta. I'm already confused and we're 30 <laughs> seconds into this. This is going to be interesting. And then we'll also have a special guest interview with an actual chef. Yes. Which is always fun. Which is not me. Because let, let's <laughs> let's just be honest. Uh, I can do a lot. I'm, I can do a lot of things pretty well. Uh, I am a horrible cook. Uh, I burn water. Um, I basically can make popcorn, and that's the and extent of it. You're maybe the only person I know who doesn't actually care about food. Like, you almost don't even like food. This I'll, is what it sounds I'll like. I bet <laughs> if our friend Alyssa is listening to this right now, Alyssa, you get a shout out. She used to make fun of me all the time. Just could not believe that I just don't. I don't have that gene in me. Could not care I, less. I, it's literally fuel for me. That's it. I don't care. Um, the only, and, and, and I feel bad about saying that because I don't like it. It doesn't necessarily make me feel good when someone says they don't really care about music. I mean, you mm. don't really hear a whole lot of people that don't, but yeah. when you do, you know, just same as food, you don't have people that <laughs> say, I don't care about food when you do, you know, like, especially talking to someone like, like Aaron that we're talking, we we're going to talk to you today. You know, I don't want them to think that I, think less of their art. It is, it is an art. I am aware that it is. I have absolute respect for it. And it is very hard to do, especially to do at the level that someone like him does it at. Uh, and, um, that's why I'm totally okay with saying I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to food. <laughs> and <laughs> as far as you're concerned though, you could eat the same thing every day and every day be pretty indifferent I to do it. Not, I do not care. <laughs> Absolutely. That's I mean, there there are flavors that I prefer over other flavors. Sure. Absolutely. But if I could live on chocolate, I would just do that, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't 300 pounds. I would just do that. Um, but, you know, that's what it, it, doing, doing, you know, working out as much as I work out, just needing to put calories in me. It's actually a, ben a benefit, you know? Yeah, that's true. But I think that's also a bit of a, a hate crime against food because <laughs> yeah. you're one of the few people who could eat whatever they wanted it's to. True. It's true. And you take zero advantage of it. I, yeah. Well, that's not true. Okay. I love M&Ms, yeah, sir. Peanut M&Ms are the uh, Oh, man. The way got a bag of them today. <laughs> We're three quarters of the way through it. Yeah. Um, and I'm 
I enjoy food. Like I really do love food, but I don't yeah. consider myself a foodie. I know that uh, that term gets thrown around quite a bit, but whenever I think of a foodie, I think of someone who who does want the truffle oil, you know, whatever that really is. I'm not entirely Who goes sure. out of their way to find, oh, oh, I heard about this new restaurant over here. I'm, mm-hmm. I want to go like cross town. I want to go over there, make a special night of it. And I'm going to fast for, you know, a day ahead of time so that I enjoy yeah. it that much more. I mean, you do that, but that's so you can go to Alamo and yeah. eat your weight in food. Right. That's more of a calorie budgeting than right. it is <laughs> like flavor profiling. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's let's jump into a synopsis of the film. So a head chef quits his restaurant job and buys a food truck in an effort to reclaim his creative promise while uh, piecing back together his estranged family. It's written and directed by John Favreau, starring John Favreau as Chef Carl Casper, MJ Anthony as Percy, John Leguizamo as Martin, Bobby Cannavale as Tony, Sophia Vergara as Inez, Scarlett Johansson as Molly, Dustin Hoffman as Riva. Hey, I got a cousin who knows a guy who hooked us up with all our musical necessities. Yeah, my credit cards are maxed out. We're not charged for food yet, so we're going to have to wait on the sound system. Yeah, but you look happy, baby, don't you? So happy. So happy. Yeah, that's what something is. Uh-huh. I got one. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's burnt. So? They're not paying for it? Uh-oh, oh, mate. Get off the truck. You got this? Yeah, I got it. Do your thing. Slow down for a second. Is this boring to you? No, I like it. Yeah, well, I love it. Everything that's good that's happened to me in my life came because of that. I might not do everything great in my life. Okay, I'm not perfect. I'm not the best husband. And I'm sorry if I wasn't the best father. But I'm good at this. And I want to share this with you. I want to teach you what I learned. I get to touch people's lives with what I do. And it keeps me going and I love it. And I think if you give it a shot, you might love it too. Yes, sir. Now, should we have served that sandwich? No, chef. That's my son. Get back in there. We got some hungry people. He's ready to cook. I love that scene so much. And I love this movie. Yeah. But I think that scene is it's easily the my favorite scene in the film yeah. for a number of reasons. For one, if you haven't seen this, if you if you decided to wait in anyway, that's his son he's talking to. Yeah. And I love that at the end he says no chef. Exactly. Yeah. That's such a endearing Respect. moment. Yeah. God. Yeah. He's finally connecting. And I love it too because you get to see all the uh I mean, it's the heart, but it's also the passion, the pure passion of what he's doing, right? Yeah. He sees he burned a sandwich that he's giving away for free. And he's like, that's not acceptable. Yeah. And he yeah. pulls him aside, has this amazing uh, father-son moment of correction that ultimately brings them closer together, right? Those those little moments in life are the things that really make people grow. It's not all the good times. It's how you handle those negative times. And that's one of those little negative moments that he's going to carry with him for the rest of his life in this movie. Yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> but I love it because you get to see all these interesting facets. Uh, it's a very quick arc for the kid. He goes from, yeah, this is just something I'm doing. I'm hanging out with my dad. It's kind of fun. To, oh, like, don't trample on this holy thing. Yeah, yeah. This, it, this is definitely the best scene of the movie, hands down. I totally agree. For me, it's the best scene because 
he he never mentions food until the very end when he said, "Should we serve that sandwich?" And that mm-hmm. whole that whole conversation wasn't about. So someone like me who's not not you know I'm not a foodie, it uh, I didn't identify with this film because of food, mm-hmm. right? I could listen to that and I and put whatever matters to me into that scene, you know. So it, w- it wasn't about sandwich. I don't care about sandwich. It's about you know what is it that I love? Okay, now that's me talking to my son about the thing that I love, and I was I I feel like that that conversation feels like they did that on purpose. Mm-hmm. feels like he at any point he could have mentioned something about the food or the sandwich or or cooking in general or being a chef and he never he never does he just says i love this everything happened good in my life happened because of this 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 um and this could be anything and and so i was able to identify with it a lot and i have a son so right. you know looking forward to like maybe having that conversation with him one day you know like it was it was a beautiful scene so this is one of the few movies that we don't really agree on. Yeah. Yeah. What? And you gave it another try, right? You knew you didn't like it, but you watched it again you right. know, for the show. Right. Um, and I assume knowing you, you went in with an open mind. You're like, you know what? Maybe I got it wrong the first time. Yeah, for sure. Cause, cause I watched it a, a while ago mm-hmm. and it had to be a year or so. I don't know. Yeah. And so, yeah, I went into it like, Oh, let's just give it a shot. Almost like I'd never seen it before. And I had the exact same feeling, which was, just blah. Mm. Um, and for lack of a better term, we could, we could, I could mention the fact that I just don't really like identify with cooking, you know, and, and with food generally. And that's, that's why it was blah for me. But I don't think that's necessarily it. I also feel like the story was just vanilla Mm. and, and told a hundred times and there was no drama to it. There was no, uh, let me, let me back up. So it might just, the, the whole purpose of this might just be, here's a story in this guy's life. There's no arc really. There's just a, these are things that happen from point A to point B to point C to the end. And if that's the case, then fine. If that's what you want, then fine. But I didn't feel any, I like, I didn't feel like the, the most dramatic part was when he wa- walked out of the out of his job, right? When he left his job. I mean, I guess it was kind of cool when he came back and like told the critic off and mm-hmm. stuff. But that was that was you know twenty five percent into the film. He still had the re- uh, it was a long film. It wasn't short either. Yeah, it's almost two hours. It's just shy. It's, uh, just shy of two hours, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it felt longer. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I'm not you know I'm not trying to like tear it apart. It wasn't horrible. Yeah. yeah. It just like the father son relationship only had a few moments for me. And, uh, I don't, I don't, it's kind of hard for me to put it into words. I don't, I'm not really sure, but it was just, it just lacking. That's interesting. Those are some of the things I actually enjoyed about it because I felt, I, I agree. There's not a huge three act structure to it. It's, uh, in a lot of ways reminiscent of garden state, but to me, garden state did it a lot better. It definitely reminds me of garden state in some ways, and I won't go into all those ways, but, yeah. uh, there's not a strong structure. You have a writer, director, actor, which there's not a lot of, um, believe it or not, definitely not a lot who are getting $11 million budgets to, to make their own film. But I love that, uh, that you're right. There isn't a huge arc. It's a fairly small arc. 
I mean, he goes from, and that's kind of one of those things that drew me to it. I think a lot about this, about how sometimes, and in most movies, the stakes are always so exceedingly high that I, I, they always find a way, or they usually try to make you find a way to identify and connect with it. But at the same time, it always strains credulity, right? Like, mm. there's no way that everyone's, you know, cousin is always dying of cancer or whatever. Like, oh, right, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. and so in this case, right, you the arc is really small. You go from uh, a guy who got sucked into the ritzy style of, and forced into a square hole that he doesn't want to be in. He's never wanted to be in it, um, but he got forced into it, and he's distant from his son, and he's he's distant from his family, really. Uh, at the time, right, he's just hooking up with his hostess, and that's about the extent of it, right? He's just going through the motions at work and doesn't, he's going through the motions in, in all of his life. Whenever he's spending quality time with his son, you know, quote unquote, I love that section. It's the quickest little blip because he's like, yeah, uh, hey, we're going to go out. We're going to have fun. We're going to spend some quality time together. You know, he doesn't quite set it up that way, but uh, that's that's the note that you're going on. And then you have, a quick cut of him on a roller coaster staring at his phone, a quick cut of them silently watching a movie, and then he's dropping them off again. And you get this very instant feeling of he's not connecting with his kid at all. And the first time that he really does is whenever he's uh, learning from his kid how to use Twitter. Because every moment up until that, right, right. they're walking through uh, the farmer's market and he's buying ingredients. And he's kind of he's talking down to his son the whole time. Uh, And it's not until that point where he starts to elevate his son. And before they start to make a connection and his son lets him know really quick, like, this is cool. No, just us hanging out. And he's like, no, we hang out all the time. He's like, no, no, no. Like we do stuff. Doing stuff. Yeah. yeah. But we're right now we're just talking and we're learning from each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And it's at that point where his son, who's always idolized him. But I think it's one of those things where with people, sometimes we we want what's not in front of us. Mm-hmm. I think to an extent, he wants that relationship with his dad, no doubt. But when he finally gets around his dad, it's never what he wanted. Yeah. And so you see that it's a really small arc. Like yeah. he goes from I'm around my kid, but I don't know my kid to now I know my kid. And I like being around my kid. And I want to get back with my wife. Like she's amazing too. I've been screwing this up and it's so subtle. It's such a small move, but I think sometimes in life, those are the hardest things to do. It's, it's to walk across the street. It's not the flight across the world. Yeah. Yeah. And this is just that. It's just a really small walk across the street. Yeah. I guess I'm not, I'm not asking for a big art. I'm I'm really not. It it just, (sighs) It doesn't have it doesn't have to have any arc. You know, we had you brought it up great. Like there's zero arc for Garden State. Mm-hmm. Why do I like it? Why do I like Garden State when there is less of an arc in Garden State than there is in Chef? <laughs> and yet I'm totally vanilla on Chef. I don't yeah. think it was a bad movie. Yeah. I don't think it was a good movie. So it's just kind of like right in between. And maybe it's something to do with the camera work. Uh, there was just nothing interesting really about it that stood out. There was no interesting editing. Not that, you know, there has to be like fast cuts or anything. There were a lot of montages, I felt like. Mm -hmm. And 
montages get old real quick. Uh, I mean, even Rocky only had a couple, right? Mm. There were, uh, there were several. And, um, so let's talk about the camera work because you're right. There is almost zero zest on these things. And for the most part, I would say like a good 75, 80% of the movie, we're in locked off shots. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're watching it. And I think that's for two reasons. Um, the first is this is a drama and the most important thing in any drama is to connect with the characters. And too often you have these, all this camera movement that it puts a distance to you between you and the character because you can't really look into their eyes quite the same way. And so with the locked off shot, you're able to connect with them a little bit more because you're, you're able to see their eyes really clearly and follow everything. And in a locked off shot, movement becomes much more exaggerated because nothing else, everything is still. And so now if a person winces, if a person, you know, frowns or rolls their eyes, it jumps off because we're masters at studying faces. And so you have that side of things. It's a, it's a drama you're connecting, but I think also it shows how dull his life is when he's not cooking because most of the movement comes when he's cooking. Like it's, from the opening scene, right, we're kind of popping around the kitchen and watching him chop things up and move things around. And then as he's dealing with Reva and his staff, all the stuff that he doesn't enjoy doing, it's really still, it's really framed. And then especially, and we don't get to our first handheld shot, really, I don't think, until he gets inside his food truck, which is when he starts to rediscover, like, this is what I really want to be doing. So can I, can I just... By all means, say, <laughs> can I just say the, the, like the most interesting camera work is always when he's cooking it, like in the very mm-hmm. beginning of the movie, he's cooking and he has the, the fast chops and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like locked in. Yeah. It's, it has me right at the very beginning and then it loses me because I don't see, I don't see them cooking. Yeah. I, I like there's a few other shots like in, in the, in the restaurant or in his, in his kitchen that he's cooking or when he's cooking for, um, Scarlett Johansson, mm-hmm. like that. Yes. Now you got me. I mean, I don't even care about, you know, cooking and I'm sitting here with like, Oh man, that looks really good. Yeah. yeah. That, but I don't see that. Like 90% of the movie is not him cooking. You know, it doesn't give, it doesn't help me connect with what he loves so that when he's talking about what he loves later, it's hard for me to identify that to the art of him cooking. Cause like even in the, in the food truck, there's no detail of the cooking in the food truck. There's a little Mm -hmm. bit of, you put this on here and this on here and it, but it's all wide, wider shots. It's like mediums and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not like close ups like it was in the very beginning when he was an artist. It was like, he was an artist in the beginning making these like amazing things. And then it starts pulling back and, and you never get that really, you know, when he starts to have his success and maybe it was because he got out of his own way or something and it got his ego out of the way. Uh, or, or what, I don't know. I don't know, but that you you hit the nail on the head for me because that, that definitely was something that I, that I lost. Absolutely. I think that's probably where, where you disconnected just because if the drama isn't pulling you in, then you're sunk because the whole point of that, right. Is to pull you into the drama and pull you into the story. And if, if you're not really connecting with the story, then there is just zero chance for this to, to really 
punch you in the mouth because it has those those emotional moments kind of few and far between. Uh, They're spaced out around his journey because this movie is really in two halves. There's there's not a a three act structure. It's kind of just two halves right Right. around the middle part of the movie is when he gets his uh, it's almost exactly at the halfway mark is when he gets his food truck. Yeah. That first half is kind of cut into uh, two, maybe the first. 70% 70% of that is him at his restaurant. The next 30% is him freaking out. And then he gets his uh, truck. And so that kind of pulls me into what is this movie really about? Yeah. I think this is a metaphor for John Favreau. He is, was coming off of Cowboys and aliens. Oh, right. Yeah. Which was a, an atrocious movie. Terrible. Terrible. And he got killed over it. Yeah. And I think we're seeing all of that reflected in this story itself, right? He's, he's back been to basics, back to basics and something that's personal to him. Like he was, he was getting really comfortable making these, these bigger films, right? He made uh, elf was his first kind of big smash. And then he made Zathura, which is a fan favorite. I, I don't know that it's as big as like Jumanji, but uh, same idea, same concept. But then he just went into a whole other realm when he made Iron Man. Oh, yeah. Like that launched Marvel in a major way. And then he made Iron Man 2, which uh, not as good as Iron Man 1, but still enjoyable. <laughs> and then he made Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah, yeah. Which was just a terrible movie. I actually got to see that as a part of a, uh, a secret screening. Not the entire thing. It was a completely unfinished. We saw – I do this thing – a few times. I don't think I'll be doing it anymore, but this thing that was called, uh, that was a 24 hour movie marathon where you got all these select movies that hadn't been released yet. And in this case, John Favreau came and he was like, it's not finished. There's not even a lot of effects work that's in place. Uh, all we really have is a trailer. And so all the shots we finished for the trailer, you'll see inserted into the film as the only finished shots. Everything else is just going to be wireframes oh and, and green screen and a bunch of unfinished work. So be gentle. And even at that, we're only going to be able to show you the first 45 minutes because it's a rough cut. And so I remember wow. – and that's fine with me. Like I'm a filmmaker. I get it. Like I can yeah. – Set that aside and dive into yeah, but to let the story a, a crowd see something that's unfit, so unfinished. It's ballsy, yeah, it's, yeah, and awesome. Like I have you know a ton of respect for him, and so I sat there and I watched it, and afterwards everyone kind of lost their mind. They were super excited, and I was like, "Am I the only one who thought that was terrible?" <laughs> um, because I was able to look past it, but there was just a lot of kind of kick the dog strategy of creating your bad guy. Um, and you saw the story, not the, I saw the images. story. Yeah. yeah. And it was really, really weak. And I, I actually reached out to Mr. Favreau and I was like, Hey, would you like any feedback on this? And he's like, yeah. And so I, I emailed with one of his, uh, assistants and I mean, he probably never even saw my criticisms and it, at most he probably was like, what'd that guy say? He's like, Oh, he's an idiot. He doesn't know anything about movies, which would or, totally he, fair. or he might might have read it and and said and saw what you said. If you said it sucked, and he'd be like, "Yeah, but it's done. So yeah, what are you gonna do?" It's in the can. <laughs> uh, and he so knows. he came off of that experience, right? Yeah. And he was like, probably feeling really down. He'd been working on all these big budget films. I'm sure the last four films he made, five films maybe, not underneath fifty million, maybe even a hundred million for some of those. And he was just feeling really 
kicked in the nads. And so he's like, I'm going to make a film that's personal to me. And I think it completely reflects his experience there. And so I'm going to play another clip here. And instead of thinking about food, mm-hmm. this is a, 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 a scene between him and Riva, the restaurant owner. Think about a director talking about movies with the studio. I have something really good planned for tonight. I'm going to let you say it's not sweetbreads. Yeah, that, be able to taste it. that may be true, but we have the most reservations we've had on a work night since we opened. You realize that? I know. I was on Twitter. I was, yeah. I was, I was promoting the restaurant. I was what? on Twitter. Yeah, that's another thing. From now on, before you post anything online, I okay it. All right? The what? whole reason everybody's here tonight is because I called out Ramsey and Michelle online, and they're all coming to watch me stick it in his ass. Yeah, and you're going to Twitter an apology for calling the most respected critic in Los Angeles an asshole. I'm not going to fucking apologize that guy. What do you mean you're you not You see what gonna... he wrote about me? I don't give a fuck he what he wrote it. about you. I don't care. You're a cook. You're a chef. This is what you've been cooking for years, and it works. And either you cook the menu that our customers have come to... You want me to cook the same food? The same exact... The same food that he ripped apart? The same guy who's coming tonight? The restaurant isn't filled with critics. It's filled with people that have been eating your food for the last 10 years. So now suddenly you're going to be an artist. Well, be an artist on your own time. Listen to me. No sweetbreads, no calves bread. I'm not cooking sweetbreads. Listen to me. The kitchen is my domain. That was our deal. I don't give a fuck what the deal was. The deal has now changed. Either you stay or you go. It's up to you. End of discussion. We got a full house of people yeah. who are coming tonight yeah. to eat my food. No, it's not your food, Carl. It's not your food. By definition, it's my food because it's my restaurant. I pay for the glasses. I pay for the napkins. I pay for the spoons. I pay for Molly's salary. I pay for your entire staff's salary, okay? So you either cook my menu or Tony can. Tony, you've been cooking it half the time anyway. Tell the truth, right? So you're threatening to fire me now? Am I threatening to fire you? No, I'm telling you what I'm prepared to do if you don't cook my menu. Subject closed. Well, why don't you cook the menu without a chef? And we see how it goes. We see how it goes tonight. I mean, I think yeah. it screams. Yeah, <laughs> that, definitely. You know, even to the point of we're going to OK everything you post, right? <laughs> yeah, that's such a, a studio thing. Uh, there's a lot of money invested here. Mm-hmm. And who cares what the critics think? You know, we have audiences lined up that want the same thing you've been doing every time you've been doing it. Like yeah. the formula works. Why are you straying from the formula? Yeah. And he got tired of it. And what I love is right after that, right, he goes home and he makes a dish. And the buildup right there makes it sound like he's going to bring it into work and he's going to shove it down this critic's face like, here's what I can do. But he doesn't. When he comes back, right, he, he just he, he yells at him, and, which is an amazing uh, tirade. But the reason he cooked it, he had to do it for himself. Even if no one got to see it or enjoy it, he needed to make something that satisfied his own artistic uh, need. And he did it in the quiet of his own house. And so instead of, you know, cooking the critics something, what do they what does the studio do? The studio comes and tries to bribe them. They're like, "Okay, you know what? We're still going to give you the same thing. But can we make your experience a little bit better? Mm hmm. Not the food, mm-hmm. but your experience of seeing it. So we'll fly you out to this thing. Well, and in their case, they're giving them wine. But you see this with uh, studios all the time where they'll like, oh, you have a really popular website. Well, 
maybe we can host a free screening for you to give away on your website and yeah. um, we'll kind of grease your palm in that kind of way. They're, they're slowly creeping in as we're now one entity, you and I, mm -hmm. you're a critic on, in, in name only. You're not really going to criticize the hand that's feeding you right now. I totally agree with you on this. Totally. It, it's, it's like, it's like blatant. Yes. Blatant. And I love that because chef is the movie he did that with. Mm -hmm. And in Chef, he's doing that very he's thing, that very which thing. is why I say it's a metaphor for itself. That's great. Okay. <laughs> I, I totally get it, and I respect it, and I love it. I just feel like it could have been done better. That's fine. I love the uh, the the rest of the commentary that he gets to throw in there with it, though. Um, the the scene with the cop, <laughs> and he gives oh, him, right. he threatens to give him a ticket, and then suddenly he's like, "Well, I got a little power here," and he turns into a photo op. That yeah. doesn't end. He keeps wanting more. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like celebrities deal with that with fans all the time. Like mm -hmm. just because we're a fan of your work, we're entitled to a piece of you. And I disagree with that. Like I don't think it's anyone's entitlement to, to bother someone or to get something out of them because you're a fan of their work, not necessarily the, them. <laughs> like, And that's why they make it. They make it because you like it. So you, you brought up the – you mentioned the the scene where he tells off the the critic. Mm -hmm. I hated that scene. Really? I hated it. I thought it was totally contrived. Sure, I, thought, I don't disagree I completely with that. think that it was total BS because a, a chef of the caliber of him knows the importance of a critic and can let that stuff ro either roll off his back or he can, even if he can't, even if he can't, if he gave him his best stuff, which he knows he didn't, this critic tore apart food that he knew the critic was going to tear apart, but he had to serve it because the, 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 the restaurant owner told him to serve the regular menu the first time. And yet he goes and he rips him apart for giving him that horrible review. So I completely believe John Favreau is objective enough to know and agree with everything you're saying. Yeah. He's, but I also think there's that piece of him that just for one second wanted to let him know to critics that there's also a responsible way to, to, to critique. You don't have to make them a punchline. You don't have to completely destroy them in their work because yeah. it is a team effort. And so I think that was just a, and, and also there's just, you know, that, that satisfaction of finally I get to talk to my critics yeah. <laughs> and, and more than anything that, but I also think there probably is something to being, uh, because it is it is clickbait for critics to how can we tee them up the best and, you know, be as hyperbolic as possible. I think we try our best to be objective and and gracious and still honest in in, in what we're doing. But not everyone does that. And I think you read some of these mainstream reviews and you're like, good God, man. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially when he starts taking personal shots, right? He's like making fun of his weight at one point. He's like, Oh, right. He put on all this weight because people, he's eating all the food people send back and it's like just a double dig. Yeah. <laughs> and I so, yeah, I think I completely agree. Like objectively it's, it's uncalled for because critics do serve a vital mm -hmm. role, um, as we'll discuss here in a moment. But yeah. I love that, uh, that he got to have his moment to at least. I, I do. I do love that he got to have a moment. I just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It was probably, you know, I imagine, and I don't know, but I imagine that that was probably a lot, like a lot of that was probably off the cuff. 
you just, know, like ad-libbed, like yeah. go and say what you want. You break out a cell phone and record this and I'm just going to go off. Yeah, I totally, I could see him doing that. And and let me also say like, I, I like John Favreau. I think he's a good actor. I think he's a good, a good director and he's done some really good stuff. Uh, so this, I'm not trying to take anything away from him as mm-hmm. an artist. I just, I, I feel like there was probably a, a little bit better way to, to do it, at least from me yeah. in general, you know? Yeah. I just have, I get frustrated with, you know, the Cowboys and aliens and I haven't even seen his recent films, uh, jungle book and yeah, jungle book and what will be jungle book two and the lion King. I might yeah, see right. the lion King, but I just kind of get tired of rehash city, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And what Feels frustrates like me as a fan of John Favreau, cause I mean, swingers, right? Yeah, man. That was his real breakout. Yeah. And I remember listening to the, uh, behind the scenes of that. And he's talking about, and there's no spoilers here, but he was just talking about raising finances for that, for him and Doug Lyman mm-hmm. and Vince Vaughn. They were going from room to room to room, you know, uh, studio execs and financiers performing these scenes they had you know a few scenes that they had worked out and they would perform them for the investors that's drive and that became just kind of second nature when they would shoot those scenes on set like they just flowed yeah but where are those where where did my my maids right. and my uh, swingers and my chefs go uh and so i get just i guess selfish on that part of me because i understand that he really loves making these cultural movies that get a lot of attention. I'm sure that's super satisfying and his restaurant, you know, being something that everyone goes to that is really satisfying. And there, there is some ego. And I think, uh, our special guests will talk about that, Yeah, but I like the original stuff. Give me something that is personal Mm -hmm. that even if it doesn't hit with everybody, that's totally fine. But take those shots. But to, yeah. And I, that's, I totally respect the fact that he did that. Yeah. You know, missed on my mark, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's still, it still takes guts to do that kind of thing. And because there's, there's just not very many filmmakers who get to do what he does. Yeah. You know, there's, you have your Christopher right. Nolans and a handful of Tarantinos uh, that get to pull together, you know, $10 million budget to make something that's personal and small. Uh, you don't get those anymore. Everything now is going to be the $50 million film. And if it's not that, it's going to be a horror film. It's going to be a $5 million horror film. Right. And I love horror films. I grew up on them. That's where I cut a lot of my teeth in film, but it's, it's exhausting. I want personal dramas. Mm-hmm. Do you think this was a drama? Yeah. 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 Hmm. What do you think it was? I don't know. <laughs> it was like a little, maybe it's a little bit dramatic. Yeah. You I know, mean, just cause there, there were some intense scenes like the one you just played and, and stuff, but cause it's not overly funny, right? There's, there's no rib splitting moments. So it's definitely not a comedy. Um, no, but it is definitely not overly dramatic either. No, but I, it's a, it's an easy, I mean, what's drama. it classified as if you know, like it, 
It's classified as an adventure comedy drama. (laughs) (laughs) Adventure? Adventure? Come on. They drove across the United States, bro. Oh, that's true. That's true. It is road trip city sauce. Although there was absolutely no challenge in doing so. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Which is, I think, a staple of being an adventurer. There has to be like a roadblock. Right. Uh, Okay. All right. And so they got to categorize it somehow. (laughs) And so let's... Get our friend Aaron Mercier, yeah, uh, who left being a graduate student to become a chef, a yeah. co-owner of a restaurant, which is kind of incredible to me, and I think has some echoes of what Favreau did here with leaving the sure thing to go with you know something much more go with his gut, yeah, something, something. do something that he just loves, yeah. So, um, so we'll just dive yeah. right in. Uh, thanks for joining us, Aaron. Let's just get right to it. That's a really big transition because even going to grad school, right, is already a really huge commitment with what you're going to do with your life and where your your mind is at. And to be sneaking off and uh, dedicating so much of your time enough to where you decide to make that full transition, what was it about what you were leaving and what was it about cooking and being a chef that really uh, drew you away? Well, I mean, there's the rhythm of the work, um, and then there's the culture of the work. So graduate school, you spend a lot of time by yourself working and working in your own head and working through things in your own head, especially in the humanities. And it becomes, um, for a large part of your work week, a very solitary exercise. And then the other 20% of the, or the other 20 hours of work uh, that you have in a week is on campus and in professional meetings and gatherings and in classrooms. Uh, and so it becomes this very intense, very formalized um, way of interacting. And so your life is this radical mix of these two, like hyper socialized and then totally lonely, under socialized modes of work. Uh, and I didn't care for that. It wasn't healthy for me. Uh, whereas kitchen culture is very different. It's um, entirely in, in many ways kind of manically deprofessionalized. There's a code of conduct. But in terms of being yourself, there's a lot more leeway for um, a certain casualness of manner and uh, an indelicacy that suits me better as a person. Um, I'm obviously speaking very carefully here because I don't (laughs) just want to make it seem like it's everybody uh, running around making dick and fart jokes all the time. Um, But in large part, it is. I mean, you're getting very serious work done, but at the same time, it's high pressure, high pace and long, very physical labor with a lot of danger attached to it. Um, and so it's necessarily a very different culture. And in addition, the long hours of just sort of solitary paying attention to very narrow, very dry material versus um, the excitement of a service that tests the limits of your facility and your staff in terms of your ability to produce food at pace. And so what is it about food? It's just more emotionally satisfying for me. And how is that so? Like, is there anything specifically about cooking, uh, whether it's the idea that oh, you're feeding in someone? In terms of the or, craft itself? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Food is just always a medium that's made sense to me. Um, I've always had a creative impulse, but um, no medium I've ever tried has worked for me. Uh, I'm not a good musician. I'm not a good artist. And uh, while I am a pretty passable writer, um there's no my urge to create doesn't translate into the discipline of creative writing. I don't have that discipline, um, but the kind of discipline it takes to 
create really structured, really technically competent food is just natural to me. Because I, I don't have that at all. <laughs> like literally, I, I, I burn water. I, I have no, no skill oh, I've in seen you try to cook. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not pretty. Uh, so part of this movie is, is really like, it's not just, it's not just like the love of, of making food, but it's the love of making like really good food. Right. So, you know, like someone, someone like, someone like me, I could sit down, you know, if I, if I did enjoy making food, if I was better at making food, I'd probably enjoy it more. But if, if, you know, I was better at it, I, you know, I'd just like to sit down and probably just like make something for myself or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a whole nother level. There's several levels I feel like, but, you know, I think that you're at the level where it's not just, you know, like, like being able to, to, to pump out, you know, enough food for everyone in the restaurant. It's like, no, everything has to be perfect before it leaves your hands to go out on, on the, on the floor. And is it like that? Has it been like that at every place you've worked? I know it's like that at the, at, you know, at your restaurant, but, um, is, has it always been like that for you? Or was there like a a moment where you just kind of decide where you hit that point where you're like, Nope, if it's not perfect, no one else, no one gets this. It's very difficult if you are that kind of cook to work at a restaurant where those standards aren't the priority. Um, But every cook has those jobs in his career, uh, even the best ones. And there's something to be learned from those places, even if you don't ultimately agree with their notion of what best practices is. But the passion to create really great food, I think, can come from a couple of different places. There's one that's pure ego. Uh, and I think it's the that pure ego trip sort of experience that that's the the fantasy of what a lot of people being think being a chef is about. And I think the lesson of that movie is, from what I can tell from the summary, that John Favreau uh, beca- got to where he was in his career when he quit for the wrong reasons, and he also quit for the wrong reasons. And he doesn't really get his real reward until he realizes how wrong all of his reasons were. And then the reward at the end of the movie, because it is a comedy and follows that structure, uh, is that they like for all of his like divestment, the the universe of the movie reinvests in him. Right. Because he gets to learn this lesson about um, the love of the craft and not cooking with your ego and respecting the market while still being the best craftsman that you can. So there's that egotistical drive to create great food just to like show off your skills and and to be the best you can so that everyone will be so impressed with you. But there are other reasons to want to create at that level. Um, One is a fascination with process and ingredients and finding out what food can do and can be and the different ways it can be used as an expression. It's, It's that artistic impulse. I think there's an emotional impulse of a kind of, uh, you want to be, the facilitator of shared enjoyment. You want to make it possible for people to have great meals because you've had great meals and you want to share what that experience means to you with others on a grand scale. Um, That's sort of like the nostalgia chef. Uh, And that it's an extension of the idea of hospitality, really. It's, um, It's hospitality turned into an aesthetic experience. So, I have a question. Is there a, do you have a litmus test? Is there a dish that you use to say, man, this guy's got the goods or 
they need to they need to go back and try again. Oh no, you can demonstrate technical proficiency with all kinds of different things. There are ways to think about other people's execution of food. I mean, if you if you work in food for a little while, you start to get a sense of where people's hearts are at when they make things and more importantly where their heads are at. Um, cause I think you can have all kinds of reasons for doing what you do and still be a valuable member of the team. I don't necessarily buy into the moral universe of the, the movie. This is an interesting discussion for me because being a musician, right? I, I, you know, I'll put stuff to, I'll put, I'll put sounds together to make songs, right? The yeah. difference between that and this is that if somebody doesn't like my song, I don't give a shit, you know? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't make my music for you. I make it for myself. But for you, it's total, it's, it matters. You know, if someone sits down and doesn't like your dish, like there needs to, it's, it's got to affect you, you know? And it, I mean, it, obviously it affects me if someone says that song sucked, you know, but at a certain yeah. point being a musician, you just kind of shrug it off, shrug it off and say, ah, whatever, you know? Well, it depends on whether or not you're trying to make a living at it. Right. I mean, even yeah. for me, it's numbers game. If, if one person out of a, a month of selling food comes into my restaurants and doesn't like what I put in, uh, comes into my restaurant and doesn't like what I put in front of them, um, I'll look at the plate that he rejects. I will inspect it, make sure he doesn't have any specific complaints. But he was like, nah, don't like it. You suck and walks out. I don't give a shit about that guy. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> but it's a numbers game for anybody who wants to make a living at doing what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, enough people have to like it to keep you in whatever it is you need to be kept in to keep doing it. Right. Now, have you had any experience yourself with, with critics, either good or bad? Sure. Both. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, yeah, uh, even overwhelmingly positive reviews, there are lines that still stick in my craw. Um, really? As far as Yelp reviews go, um, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no, more that's, about actual that's critics. That's a way for consumers to talk to consumers. And, you know, if, if I see a report of something seriously wrong with the, uh, the food that uh, comes across over Yelp versus uh, being actually mentioned in the restaurant, we can, we can do something about it. I still follow up and make sure whatever that serious problem was is addressed in my kitchen. But as far as I think you put too much liquid smoke in your smoke trout, I don't use liquid smoke, so that's not really <laughs> valuable feedback for me. <laughs> I assume that's a that's a real comment, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was it was one that uh, I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. that's always good that's that's hilarious because there is a moment in the movie where uh the critic critiques you know chef carl and says you know you didn't even have the courage to make this in a in a interesting way and the chef just kind of mocks him and was like you don't even know what you're talking about that's not even how we make it at all yeah and so it is a an interesting point that critics really do sometimes you know whether it's uh professional or amateur try to take mm. their stab at, you know, uh, uh, intimate knowledge of the craft only to get it completely wrong. Yeah. I mean, is that, is that like, what is your, what's your opinion on food critics in general? Um, I think they serve an important function. I think that, um, cities that have a vibrant food critic, food criticism scene have tend to have better dining scenes. Um, criticism is the accountability of the industry besides the health department. And if that's the standard of accountability, you have a pretty crappy dining scene. So you need vibrant on point, hard edged criticism. 
of restaurants or really any of the arts or you don't have accountability in the quality of expression and the quality of production. And if you don't have that, then what you have is paid promotional content and everything (laughs) is just one big overmarketed adscape. And there's no way for a consumer to really even start to do the work of narrowing in on the good places to try so that they can spend their dining dollars effectively enough to find the best places to eat. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. That great answer. That's awesome. Um, Yelp serves no function other than to <laughs> sell ads to people coming and going and yeah. should be abolished. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Do you, do you have anything that you might want to add? Like, uh, if you want to talk about your restaurant, um, you know, or, or like what you're doing now, like what you're doing, uh, you know, like, like uh, anything. Well, it being the tough business that it is, uh, works didn't actually work out. And I've recently had the humbling experience of closing a restaurant and going back to work for somebody else. Interesting. Which was painful in ways that I don't really need to recount here. Yeah. Um, but it has ultimately been a positive experience for me. Uh, it, owning your own restaurant is an overwhelming amount of work. And is overwhelmingly humble. And in spite of the critical success with which I was met, uh, I'm really glad to have eyes off me for a second. Yeah. And go back and um, learn some fundamentals and relearn some fundamentals, I should say, uh, and slow down for a second and take stock of what's important to me. So good, man. I think you caught me in an unusually reflective mood when you called me. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully that's good. For you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully it worked out for you. I hope you have material here you can use. Oh, man, this is it's been great. Thank you for for your time and for talking about it. I'm always happy to talk shop. So that was really interesting. Yeah. Like I, I really I really love his his thoughts on Yelp. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've thought that several times and I don't even own a company that's on Yelp. Yelp. Yeah, but it's an interesting point. Like I did. I never really think too much about how people are buying reviews and mm-hmm. that it's kind of just customers bitching to each other. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's like if, if a, an actual critic comes in and gives you a one star review, this is somebody who that's their job. Their livelihood is to, is on their opinion of something. But if someone gives a crap about my opinion of their food, <laughs> like I don't, I, I know nothing about food. So, but I'm going to go on Yelp and say, this place sucks. Like it doesn't matter what I think. I don't know what I'm talking about, but there's a thousand other people that are exactly the same way as me. They don't know how to critique a, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, much less like an actual dish. Right. You know what I mean? No, so yeah. That's a really good point. I think maybe the one thing, I don't know if Yelp does it, but I've seen some aggregators do it where they say, here's the dish that people like the most. Right. And so that kind of thing, I I find there is some crowdsourcing benefit to it. I think Yelp might be, might kind of be good with like experience. Yeah. Like if someone has like a, a bad, like, like maybe my waiter was awful yeah. or something like that's maybe that's a way to get to the owner because they care about that stuff. Right. Exactly. Because and, he, and he talked about that. Yeah, know, like, totally true. But it, to his point, there is a really significant role for critics because yeah. they're the tastemakers. They're the ones that'll be able to tell you, here's why this thing is good. I love that. He likes critics or like he likes the idea. Yeah, of that it, took me know? by surprise a little bit. Yeah. I was, I was totally expecting him to, to, to say, Oh, they're, 
they're they're jerks and they're just meaningless. And if you can't do critique or whatever right, it is, yeah. but no, I, I mean, and I, and I think that that that's one of the re- going back to the film. One of the reasons why I kind of didn't like that scene where he's telling him off, it was just like, you know, the importance of this guy, you know, yeah. he needs to be there because you care about his opinion. You cared about his opinion before you knew it was negative about you. And now that you know it's negative, now you're mad at him. Yeah. And yes, he went over and above what he <laughs> should have done. His review was was really, really personally attacking. But but yeah, it's in real life, it's interesting to know that uh, an actual chef like appreciates yeah. that. I mean, totally, totally true. I think it's just an interesting point. Like there is a very important point of critics, but at this point, there's also just everything is for everyone's entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, and... I probably would benefit from reading food critics because I do really love food and most of my favorite restaurants or things that I really enjoy are always more personal, right? It's me going into a buddy's town and him saying, we got to eat at this place. Like I get really excited over that stuff and I get really excited, you know, when our friend Alyssa would say, oh, you haven't been to this place. We're totally going to go check that out. And I would sit there and I would literally be thinking about it, you know, for the next four or five days until that moment when we got to experience it. I really do love food. I'm just not, I'm not in that classification of foodie that I can really understand what's going on. Yeah. And let alone the process. Yeah. You're you're just excited about the experience, but it's, yeah. I may not be able to point out why something is amazing or why one dish is better than another. I don't know any of that, but I do know, if someone were to come to me and say, Hey, what restaurants should we eat at? I can give you some points. Yeah. Like you need to go at this restaurant and eat at this place. Yeah. One of my favorite, uh, things, my buddy, Brandon Binov, he's, I would call him a foodie. He is absolutely, you know, crazy about certain dishes. And we have this thing where if we go to a restaurant and he's taking me to a place, he's going to recommend a dish. I'm going to get that dish. I'm not going to go rogue because right now you have a Sherpa, you have a tour guide. Yeah. Yeah. Do what the tour guide's telling you to do. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more frustrating than going to a place recommending this thing. Like, Hey Todd, you should have uh, the carne asada at Joe's bakery. And you go in there and you're like, Hmm, I'm going to have the enchiladas. And you're like, and then you walk out afterwards and like, that wasn't very good. You jackass. Yeah. We're not friends anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever had an, a, a culinary experience where you had to meet the chef where you wanted to ask him, where you're like, I'd like to see the chef to compliment him on his dish. Holy cow. Once. You have. Just once. It was recent. And maybe that, uh, maybe it also comes back to, I don't really recognize myself as important enough to request that kind of right, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, Wes yeah. would like to see the stuff. Yeah, but I don't know that I actually, I can't remember if I actually called him out or not. I'm, I you want just to, remember it in your brain. Yeah, because I don't like, I'm not an Italian food guy. I don't really like Italian food. Yeah. Um, growing up, it would make me nauseous and sometimes actually sick. Hmm. And so I've just always had a real lifelong distaste for it. But... I was in Mexico this past year, Mexico, and there's this in Playa del Carmen on the Strip. There's this uh, Italian restaurant where you could see them making the uh, the dough and the uh, the pasta right there from scratch. And I was like, okay. Usually, if I get Italian, I'm probably going to try like uh, white sauce or ravioli. 
things stuffed in other things. I'm always yeah. a fan of. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And so I got the ravioli, and it was like a seafood ravioli. Playa del Carmen's right on the beach, and I didn't really expect much. I'm like, yeah, it's Italian, but I'm feeling adventurous tonight, and it was incredible. I ate there uh, to. I got it there. I ate it there by myself, and. I was just blown away. And I remember talking to the chef. I think I just saw him and I waved him over and it wasn't that I requested him. It's just that I saw him. I was like, Hey, can you come over here? This is amazing. He's like, I'm really glad you like it. You know that, you know, he, he talked to me for a moment, but yeah, just, just once. Wow. You no, actually. Yeah. (laughs) Really? Yeah. On my honeymoon. Uh, we were at this, there were two legs of my honeymoon, but the first leg we went to, to Disney world we had a kid's portion and then we had an adult portion because then we went to Vegas. But we ate it at this place called um, Victoria and Albert's. And it's hands down the best food I've ever had in my entire life. But it was like super expensive, you know, like total opposite from probably what you your experience. Your experience was this little place on on the strip in this little town. Um, it probably didn't cost a whole lot of money. And, and it was like. Whatever. Yeah. This costs a lot of money. Uh, <laughs> Need more than like twenty five dollars? Oh, I wish. Like, like this damn well better have been the best thing I ever put in my face. Uh, and it was. And uh, I mean, so it, it kind of leads me to my next question, which is on presentation. Hmm. And I'm not a food critic. I'm not a foodie, but I feel like the amount of food put in front of you. And the presentation of it make just as much of a difference as the flavor. In my mind, if you put an, a massive bowl of pasta in front of me, it's just going to be pasta. If you put seven noodles and like, like you know, one or two strips of, of chicken or something, all of a sudden it's it's freaking important. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yep. every bite matters. You take smaller bites. You, you, the way you put it on your tongue is different. Like, like, and that was this experience. It was six different courses and it was all tiny little portions. That's interesting. I think there's a point too, because presentation matters and your Mm. perception of what you're taking in directly has to affect your brain. Oh yeah. But there's something else that foodies probably know that I just only recently learned that, Drink tap water with your meal or not tap water, but lukewarm water, like whatever kind of water. Oh, because, yeah, because cold water is going to freeze your tongue and it's going to limit your ability to taste the uh, the dish. Yeah. And so, you know, lukewarm is going to basically, you know, expand or at least keep everything uh, in the realm. Yeah, neutral. Yeah, as neutral as possible. I'm going to so, try that next time I eat yeah, anything. Me too. I, I constantly forget it because I really like just freezing cold water. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But these are things that, you know, actual foodies probably all know and they practice and it's a bit of a religion for them. And so I feel like there's not a lot of food movies that I really, really enjoy. There's movies that touch on food that I think are interesting and uh, like Mm -hmm. Bella, small indie film, but you don't really get into the food too much. And so I really, I just really appreciate this film for really writing that line of food is important, but it's not necessarily the process of food. It's everything around it. It's the passion surrounding the food Yeah, that makes yeah, it, it so enjoyable. And, and, you know, talking to Aaron, 
it was like very evident that this man loves what he does. I mean, he completely changed his life or like left one life for another. And yes, he was cooking while he was in school, but that's totally different from, mm-hmm. you know, leaving a, a serious track that you're on, um, in your life to go take a chance doing something that you love. I mean, kudos to him and, uh, and to anybody who does that with anything. Totally. I cannot fathom the long hours that he was talking about. Yeah. And that's one thing I can fathom long hours. I do it for my work all the time. Yeah. Like it's nothing for me to be up until 3am working on a project, but it's always a new project. I can't imagine doing, you know, a 10, 12 hour day cooking the same thing, same thing day after day, 30 times. Right. Oh yeah. Can't that's, I mean, that's tough, you know, and then, and the physicality behind it, you're on your feet literally all day. You're working with your hands. You're around fire and hot things. I mean, me getting anything out of the oven is like an ordeal. <laughs> it's like a serious process that takes me, you know, tens of seconds where for someone like him, three seconds, open, grab it, it whatever. Mm-hmm. Could, at this point, he could probably do it with his bare hands because he probably has so many calluses. <laughs> right. But uh, but uh, we're really spoiled in Austin because we really do appreciate our locally owned restaurants. Yeah. And if you're not in Austin, I would just encourage you to cultivate that. If you find a local place that you love, frequent it. Definitely. Find more of those places. Uh, I'm sure there's a place for Chili's somewhere, but... (laughs) It is not easy to have your own restaurant, and so we need to patronize these these locations. Yeah, the mom and pop shops are what make your city your city. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, yeah, so kudos to Aaron, and, and thanks for for being on with us, buddy. Ditto, ditto. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, this is been every time we come into this, you know, you have a list of, of things and, and I have nothing. I come into it completely blind. Like let's figure out what Todd's going to say this week. This time you had nothing. You came in and said, Oh, this is probably going to be short. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew it wouldn't. I knew we were going to have stuff to talk about. I mean, for this, the sheer fact that you liked it and I didn't, True. there's something to talk yeah. about, but yeah. it's just always good to talk to a professional like, like Aaron oh, and, and have that in here. So it's just been a lot of fun. One of, one of my, one of my favorites. Yeah. I, it's always just kind of, I could probably listen to you talk about how you don't like food. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's just mind blowing, right? Yeah. Oh my God. Imagine that. I'm sure, I'm sure Alyssa is listening to this because we've mentioned her name three times right. and, and she's probably like rolling over. Like what is this, oh, this guy is such an idiot, but you do love popcorn. I love it. I'm going to make some right now, actually. And not like in a simplistic way, like, you know, the kind of popcorns you're going to buy, yeah. the oil you're going to use. The way you're going to make it on the stove. Yeah. I, it's, it's like a science. It's, it really is. But I just like it my one way. Like yeah. I'm just boring, man. I grew up, I grew up eating bologna sandwiches, dry bread and bologna. And that is still to this day, one of my favorite things. It's just so It's gross. so gross, right? <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. I'm not advocating for it, but I'm just saying like, I, I'm one of those, you know, like I have my thing. It may, it might be boring, but you've, 
honed it. It's not something you've done passively and said, oh, any popcorn will work. You've oh, drilled yeah. down and you are a foodie when it comes to your popcorn. Yeah, I, I, I know what I like and what I yeah. I know what I don't like. Yeah. How's that? There's probably a lot more that you've I do whittled like. You've whittled it down. <laughs> I've whittled away. Like, I will never like Pop Secret. You know right. what I mean? Like, that shit is awful. I don't care who you are. It's terrible. Uh, don't eat it. It's horrible. Anyway. Awesome. So do you have a recommendation for the week? I do. Oh my gosh. This week, you and I, we sat down on, it was a Friday night. We sat down and it was a long week of, of me with the kids and the wife was out of town and, and I put them to sleep and I just sat down and I said, I need a movie. So we, we looked through some stuff and we found on, on, on Netflix, I was just flicking around and I found this, this film called Wheelman that, I'd never heard of before. It had, uh, what's his name? Gorillo. Uh, Frank Grillo. Frank, Frank Grillo, who was in, um, Warrior. Warrior. Yes. Which we've done on yeah. this podcast. One of my favorite films. And, and I just thought, Oh, you know what? Why not? We put it on and it's fantastic. Just, I'm not going to say anything about it. Yeah. I just loved almost every moment of it. And it was a complete, like, Find just a find, you yeah. know. And I, I rarely have that where I put on a movie. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really good. <laughs> Having no idea at all what I'm gonna expect. So it was wonderful. Those are the best moments. Yeah, because yeah. I'd never heard of it either. It was just this another one of a thousand things Netflix put up. And did you dig it? Did you like it? Oh yeah, yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed yeah. it. There's okay. a lot, a lot that I enjoyed about it. Uh, particularly the performances uh, mm-hmm. between Frank Grillo and uh, Garrett Dillahunt, mm-hmm. who I keep waiting for him to have his epic breakout moment because he deserves yeah. it. Yeah. I feel like he's always supporting something yeah. else. Yeah. And so even if maybe, maybe that can be what I do, I, I write a film for him. <laughs> and, do it. And he gives me the time of day. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Wheelman on Netflix. Go watch it. Boom. I wanted to recommend a writer, director, actor, because it's not very easy. There's just not very many of them, many of them out there. And I started beating myself over the head. Like I didn't want to Google it. I wanted to try to come up with it on organically. And I was like, Oh, well, Clint Eastwood, he does No, he's a director or actor. Same thing with Denzel Washington. There's just a lot of director actors or writer actors, but not a lot of who do all because that's super challenging to be in front of the camera and behind the camera at the same time. It's bananas. But I started thinking, okay, Sylvester Stallone, you know, you have Rocky, Rocky. uh, And the the last Rocky bubble was excellent. And then you have Ben Affleck who wrote good will hunting. He didn't direct it, but he's gone on to write and direct uh, Argo, which he starred in and some, you know, a couple of others, the town I think is a, a great film. And then of course we have Zach Braff that we did last week. Yeah. Um, right. And so I wanted to find another little tiny personal film like that, that I could get behind. And I really enjoy liberal arts. Um, it's just a very tiny film. Uh, Josh Radner, who people only know as Ted from how I met your mother. <laughs> wow. Really? He wrote direct and starred in uh, liberal arts with uh, huh. Elizabeth Olsen, who I think she is just incredible. The, the third Olsen twin. The third Olsen, <laughs> <laughs> who's by far, I think, the best actor of them, of you know, her older sisters. But yeah, I think that's, that's a good little film. Don't go in with high expectations. Just go in and say, I'm going to watch a little okay. tiny indie drama. Awesome. Little passion I'll project. check it out. Yeah. 
So, next, next week, week mm-hmm. we're going to do Star Wars 7, The Force Awakens, in preparation for the new Star Wars 8. 8. Uh, uh, what is it? The Last the, Jedi. Last Jedi. Yes. I'm so excited about The Last Jedi. I am, I am too. Ryan Johnson is one of my favorite writer-directors out there. He's incredible. Great. I'm, I'm excited about it, man. And so, if they're going to do this section of the franchise right, then... Mm-hmm. And he's also going to get to do his own spinoff trilogy doing whatever he wants what that's how happy the studio is with however the last jedi turned out wow oh i'm excited now yeah like i don't even care about the the last jedi i know right give me this new thing yeah yeah (laughs) wow okay cool so yeah next week uh, star wars 7 the force awakens fantastic uh, so make sure to subscribe and review us on iTunes and please leave a note saying what you'd like us to talk about. Um, and you know, leave us any kind of interesting little tidbits. Um, uh, and, and please comment and, um, uh, let us know what you think of the show. Uh, and you can find, uh, this episode at the slash chef. Uh, and we have a quote of the day for you. This one is from Julia Child. Why don't you read this one this week? <laughs> this one, so Julia Child, for those who don't know, is like an incredibly famous chef from, I don't even know when, the 70s maybe. Yeah. She made Cooking Cool, one of the first TV cooking shows um, in America anyway. But she was just like a, a normal like yeah. housewife or, yep. or mom or something. And then she decided she wanted to move to France. Yeah. With her study. husband. I yeah, think, yeah. was he like an ambassador or something? So, I forget. There was a, yeah, there was some kind of reason. And, but, but she fell in love with French cuisine and wanted to conquer it. But they thought she was a joke when she was there. Yeah. I, it's yeah, amazing. I've, I've, what was the film that, um, what's her name played? Uh, Man, she was amazing. Is it Julia and Julia? Julia and Julia. Yes. I forget. Oh, Amy Adams. Amy Adams and well, yes. who played Julie oh, Child? Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. God, God. Every time. I know. God, every time. Uh, every time. <laughs> and so this quote is from her, from Julie Child. You don't have to cook fancy or complicated masterpieces, just good food from fresh ingredients. Nice. And I love that. I feel yeah. like it reflects the film in both ways, right? You have a chef talking about cooking. Or, but also, I think that idea applies to chef itself. It's not this complicated masterpiece. It's just a good heartfelt story, and he wanted to tell to yeah. tell it in a tiny, tiny, tiny way. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I th- yeah, I think it could be it could be um, definitely extended into other aspects not just mm-hmm. cooking but any, anything you know like we overcomplicate so much in this world and in our lives and we think that everything has to have like a thousand moving pieces when in reality the more we strip away things the the clearer the you know the thing in front of us really is right yeah and I, I feel like food is probably the same way i mean there's a reason why <laughs> There's a reason why I love bologna sandwiches. I cannot tell you why, but it there's nothing else in the way. It's just one flavor, like, mm. and that's it. You know, I don't want like anything on it. It's just that's the flavor, and that's it. You know, in the basic form for me in that regard. But like, you know, you could have a dish with a hundred different flavors, but then not one flavor jumps out at you. Yeah. It's just like a wash of stuff. You can have a, you know, in a song, a wall of sound, but then you don't hear all of the little things going on, you know? So maybe stripping things away 
in this you know in relation to this yeah. this quote maybe stripping more away like makes everything a little bit clearer and maybe we can i you know take some of that into our daily lives a little bit better i love that yeah. i do i think justice league could have benefited <laughs> <laughs> That is the perfect way to end this episode. Thank you, sir. <laughs> so, yes, come visit us at thepestlepodcast.com slash chef and uh, say hi to us. Uh, until next time, this is Todd. This is Wes. Go watch some movies.